Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And welcome to Security and Secure, the podcast that I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifert, and as you know, for the past 100 episodes, I've been joined by one very special guest. We've made it 100 episodes of Security and Secure. A hundred celebrities, a hundred people that you may or not may not know, have been open with you, have been honest with you, have shared their journey with you to help you open up that conversation that you weren't having before, to help you identify with a problem that you didn't know you necessarily had, or did not know how to deal with it, and what a pleasure it has been, and what a journey it has been for me and for yourself. I've loved, over the past 100 episodes, having your comments come in every single week saying, this happened to me, or can I ask your advice, or I've gone back to this episode because I love that celebrity. It means the world to me, and I can't thank you enough. And it's been hard. We've been in a pandemic for a year and a half. And so if I take Security Insecure, what it was pre, when I had studio guests to post when it's all been on the phone, it's a very different podcast. It's a very different podcast. And I don't really ever share much about me. And I just thought, before we get to my guest this week, I just want to give you an insight into why the podcast started as we reach 100 episodes. 100 episodes ago, I could not get a mortgage. I'm a freelancer. I'm not on a contract. And so I couldn't get that mortgage. It was so tough. I felt rejected. Work was going well, but I was not on a contract. Work was going well, it was paying, and I was having a lot of fun, but I wasn't on that contract. Everything in life revolved around that contract. And without that contract, I had that rejection. I'm not good enough. What's the point of me working? Where's it going to get me? Everyone else is moving out and getting married. What have I got for myself apart from my job? And it was hard. It was really hard. And a couple of people I spoke to said to me, why don't you start a podcast? You know all the people, you love talking, and for me, it's a good defence mechanism because I can ask the questions and deflect from me, and so it started. And it's been the most amazing journey, and it's been the most amazing journey for two reasons. Firstly, because it gives me a purpose, 
this is my hobby. This is what I love doing. I love interviewing. I love those conversations. And so every week, this is my baby. Something that I record every single week. And it's something I look forward to all week. I look forward to booking the guests. I look forward to doing my research. I look forward to having that conversation. And I look forward to seeing what happens afterwards. Does it help someone? Is it going to be in the newspapers with a newsline that's going to help people? Are we continuing to say it's okay to not be okay? And secondly, it gives me that reset button. It gives me that reset because suddenly I can then go, right, where am I? How am I feeling? Someone's been open with me. What does it say about my feelings? What does it say about my attitudes? And one of my favourite things in life is to challenge myself and to challenge you. To challenge the way we think because we're all in our own little bubbles. I've been brought up in the Northwest London Jewish bubble and so I only know Northwest London Jewish people. And so when I have people on my podcast who are talking about their experience, I'm like, oh, okay. I never saw it like that. And for me, that is so important to challenge those stereotypes that we have. So important. So the podcast has been amazing for me. And over the past year and a half, when we've been through this pandemic, it's been hard. Life has been hard. I live alone. And there's been times that I don't really know what I'm doing. And I've tried lots of different things that my guests have spoken about. Things like meditation. Things like mediation. Things like writing a letter to myself. Things like taking a walk. Things like making a bed. I spoke about this with Anton a couple of weeks ago. Making a bed is so important. Vinnie Jones talks about it. How you wake up in the morning and you make your bed. And it's the first task you've done. And therefore you can go on with life. Anton said that he snoozes his, he doesn't snooze his alarm so that he's got a purpose to get up. And it's little things like that that make such difference. Jay Shetty's book, Thinking Like a Monk, that I read in January, gave me so many little tools. For example, when I do my walk every day, and I do 20,000 steps a day, I always look for something new. I always look for something that's different on the road. And trust me, every day there is something new. Building work that's been updated over the day. A bit of rubbish. Something that's put, you know, their old fridge freezer out on the road. Something really small, it makes such difference. And it's also about checking in with your friends and your peers. If you see someone's having a hard day, speak to them. Speak to me at Johnny Seifert at Canadian Secure Podcast. It's just really important that we open up these conversations. And these conversations do not stop. These conversations really do not stop. And it's just so important that we keep talking. It's also really important that you help me on the podcast. Go on Apple iTunes where you're listening now. If you're listening on Spotify, just go on to Apple iTunes if you've got an iPhone. Go to Security and Secure. Go down, read the comments, and then leave your own comment and leave a five-star rating. It really helps me. It really helps me to see you're listening to the podcast. It feeds my ego. It tells me you're listening. And also, it helps other people discover the podcast. And that's the important thing. Because if you can identify with a topic, that's going to be key. For example, last week we had Rachel Finney from Love Island talking about if what happens when she turns 30. If you're about to turn 30, it's a good podcast to listen to. If you've got anxiety, if you've had, suffered with depression, there's amazing podcasts with people like Denise Welsh out there for you. If you're struggling with real relationships, Paul C. Brunson, there's an episode for you. There should be an episode that you can identify with. And there should be an episode that talks to you. Because that's the most important thing. That's what I wanted to do for you. I wanted to talk to you. I also want your help this week. 100 episodes. I want you to share on your social media what your most favourite episode is. I really encourage you, whether it is a conversation, whether it's a celebrity that you like, whether it's just you enjoy the podcast, please share it on your Instagram, at Johnny C for at Security and Secure Podcast. 
Let me know you're listening. Tell your friends you're listening. And let's be part of something. You're part of the security and secure community. We're all in this together. I know that's what they said in High School Musical, but it's true. We are. We're all in this together. Because there's not that many people who listen to security and secure podcasts around the world. And yet you're one of them. And I've got listeners in Tanzania, in Africa, in America, in Australia, predominantly, obviously, the United Kingdom. But there's lots of people who are listening, and you're all part of a community, because you all come together to listen to this experience. And this experience, I give it to you every single week, but there's episodes that you go back to that are two years old, that are a year old, that are six months old, because you're looking for that identification or that celebrity you like, or you've just found out about the, about the podcast you've binged, and you've gone all the way back to the beginning. So please do help me. Please do help spread the word. Security and Secure Podcast at Johnny Seifert on Instagram. Just share it and let me know what you think of the podcast. If you like it, of course. Because it's 100 episodes and I really want to mark the occasion of it. Because I think it's such an important thing that 100 people have come forward to say that it's okay to not be okay. So please help me. At Johnny Seifert at Security and Secure Podcast on Instagram. And on Twitter at Johnny Seifert as well. So, this isn't the end of the podcast. This is 100 episodes. There's another 100 we're going to do. And then another 100. And then another 100. Because the conversations need to keep happening. There is no point doing one episode about anxiety and think, oh, well, that's it. That's done. I mean, like we said, we cannot have foreseen the pandemic. And look what happened. Anxiety was rife. We were all fearful what would happen. We were fearful what would happen when the pandemic was over. We're still fearful now what happens. Booking a holiday is fearful. I've been away recently to Lanzarote. And... The anxiety I had of going to the airport, what's going to happen to the queues? Checking in, oh my God, what's going to happen on the airplane? Getting to the hotel, then coming back to the UK, how am I going to get back in? What's going to happen when I'm back from the holiday? I felt like I couldn't enjoy the holiday because I was so stressed with every little part that was coming into it. But I loved it. It was amazing. And I needed it. Although I'm now more stressed than I was before I left. I don't understand how, how that happens, but it does. So... 100 episodes. There's loads more to come. And I want to hear from the people that you want me to speak to as well. So again, let me know. If there's someone that you think, I really want to hear their story that you've not heard anywhere else, let me know. At Johnny Seifert, at Skinny and Skip Podcast. So, this isn't the end. This isn't just the beginning. This is the middle. This is the bit where I just give you a little update on the podcast. And so we're going to get on with this week's episode. As we always do. And we're going to go straight into it by talking about my very special guest for this week. Now, if you did not know, I am the biggest EastEnders fan. I've watched the show since I was seven years old. The first book I remember reading was Tiffany Raymond's Diary, and the first ever video I chose at an age that I can remember was the 15-year anniversary of the show on video. Yes, for those listening, there wasn't just streaming, there wasn't even DVDs, it was video, VHS. Therefore, this week's guest is really special to me. Because as I celebrate 100 episodes, he celebrates the release of his memoir from Rags to Ricky to mark three decades in the industry. My guest you'll know as a lovable mechanic, whose name is screened by his on-off wife around Albert Square, onto George Street, and can sometimes even be heard on Turpin Road. It even led to 22 million people watching his wedding as his character, on BBC One in 1997. Mentored by Al Pacino when they sailed in the film Revolution, we've watched him become the true icon of EastEnders. He was looking, he was acting with the late Mike Reed, who played his father Frank, and Pam St. Clement, who played his stepmom Pat Butcher. 
And after training at the prestigious Anishar's Drama School in the 1980s, where actors, including half the cast of EastEnders, attended, and with the dream to be in Grange Hill, my guest really is a true TV icon. All you have to do is say the name Ricky, and you'll know who I'm referring to. Because in 1988, at just 16 years old, he got the role that would change his life forever. Growing up on fish and chips and pie mash in Islington in the 1970s, my guest is someone that we all love. I'm delighted to welcome to Sikilian actor, chef, and now author, Sid Owen. Hello, Sid. Hello, mate. I mean, look, let's start at the beginning. You've released a memoir. Why now? Now is because, uh, you know, when is ever a good time? But I felt now I'm sort of 49 and I'm going to be 50 soon. So I just thought I had, you know, a lot to sort of talk about. And when I originally first started writing a book, you know, about three years ago, you know, a lot of sort of celebs have written books and, you know, in their 20s and 30s. And, you know, I, I feel that they don't really have much sort of talk about I've experienced a lot sort of just in in my early childhood thankfully luckily the publishers when I wrote a sort of a a synopsis of the book they were uh, more interested in my sort of earlier years and growing up and sort of the hardship of sort of you know growing up in the inner city in a council uh, estate with no parents so I think they seem more interested in that than the glitz and glamour as people think of being on tv and obviously you said you started it three years ago we then had a pandemic for a year and a half in that time did that change the way you wrote your book because obviously your book is predominantly like you said around your childhood rather than eastenders and post you know that era so did you change anything because of the pandemic no not at all as as you know i mean it just it literally goes up to 16 years old i mean down to the pandemic it just gave me a little bit more time and you know, try to sort of research more sort of stuff that, you know, obviously when you're going back that so far, there's only so much you can remember. So, uh, you know, it did help in sort of gathering more sort of evidence of, you know, from sort of family and friends that I've grown up with. And so, it was, you know, some of the stuff in there it was actually new to me through my research. You know, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't even know you know, I wasn't even aware of because I was so young. It's been a, a very interesting sort of journey to find out and in, in good therapy as well, in a way. Always good to talk, as they say. Well, that's it, isn't it? What's the biggest thing you've learned about yourself during this writing period? I think persistence. Sort of in this business, you have to be thick-skinned and especially, you know, growing up sort of where I grew up and with not a sort of, a sort of stable family background, uh, it does make you a little bit harder and sort of, you know, thicker skinned, which, uh, you know, you do sort of need in this business because there's a lot of sort of mental health issues. And I'm sure, you know, you know, everyone sort of in some form or other has, you know, have sort of some sort of issues. And, uh, you know, the main thing about having issues is, is tackling them and, and talking about, about them and, you know, knowing that, you know, you're not you're not alone, and everyone else is, uh, you know, pretty much in the same boat. And you know, you can't sort of think, poor me. You've got to think, okay, you know, what's the solution? How do I get out of it? And what, how do I move forward? Otherwise, you're you know, you get stuck in a rut, and uh, you know, it's uh, it doesn't really get you anywhere. You've just got to sort of stay strong and positive. Well, it links to the end of your book where you say, don't give up hope or ever think that you aren't worth it. And it's, as you say, it's 
one of those things that you can get stuck in that right and you can give up that hope and as much as we love to say that it's true how hard is it to actually accept it's true because it's there's one thing about saying but obviously like actions speak louder than words so we're always saying it but you've come to accept it obviously where do you go from from there if, if you've got no purpose or so much ambition I, I always put it down to do you know trying to find hobbies or something you enjoy you know for one to sort of channel your energies into something else as opposed to being consumed by your uh, your thoughts too much and and just sort of trying to be light-hearted about stuff you know i mean i am a bit sensitive as well in a way i'm not not gonna lie there but uh, i think you know you've got to be sort of take not take things too much to heart and you are allowed to make mistakes and you are allowed to sort of grow and and you know learn and, and you know try and do try and do anything you want or whatever you put your mind to and that's that thing about having hobbies and a purpose you know your purpose is you are an actor and you are creating roles for yourself to help other people be entertained but then your hobby is your cooking grew up at a point in time in Cockfosters around the amazing food and you know some of my favorite Turkish and Greek restaurants are in Cockfosters and so you're yeah. around that food and that's your passion yeah I mean yeah exactly for me I mean like cooking is uh completely therapeutic so uh you know that's as I say another thing something to find is a is a is a hobby, you know. Say all like, along the years, I've always sort of, you know, been very much into sport. You know, sport, and as I say, as I've got older, I've sort of learned and loved to sort of enjoy cooking. And uh, you know, I can lose myself for hours in in the kitchen. And it's like, you know, I play golf as well, and you know, like the same thing as anyone knows, we play golf or whether they go fishing. It's that it's that sort of thing to take your mind off of, you know you know, the craziness that's going on in the world and, uh, you know, just think pretty much about, you know, the job in hand. So, you know, as I say, that's my escape, again, is cooking. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, this is the interesting thing. Talking about purpose and escapism, you know, you left EastEnders in 2012, nearly a decade ago. And obviously, Charlie Brooks, who played your sister Janine, is coming back to the show. And so there's always there being that rumour, well, are you going to return to EastEnders? And now, look, that is a job for you. But has that changed your purpose or made you think about your escapism? Because suddenly there's this pressure that you need to return to a show which actually was a job for you, but for everyone else is people just expect it. Um, no, I mean, you know, luckily I, I, I had a great time doing extenders. So, you know, whenever they come come calling, uh, you know, you can't say no because it's, uh, you know, it's uh, as I say, it's, I love I love the job, and you know, I get a huge buzz out of it. Although it is, you know, it is hard work. I'm not going to lie. I'd always be up for it and say I've come and gone like four four times now. They did ask me early on in the year. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll see. Fingers crossed, uh, Ricky may return. Well, because I know a lot of EastEnders actors who say they have meetings, like regular catch-ups, to see where you're at, where the characters could be. Have you had any of those conversations? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they did uh, ask me uh, a while back if I was interested in coming back. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's down to down to them and timing and availability and all, all those boring things that go with it. Well, are you enjoying Because we've not obviously seen you act for quite a while now. Do you still enjoy acting, or is it the golf and the cooking that gets you up in the morning? As, you know, as you said, you're about to turn 50 next year, where, you know, you're, again, that's that reset of a new decade. Do you see yourself as an actor in this new decade, or is it the I, golf um, and the cooking yeah, now? Pure, yeah, purely and solely an actor. I mean, that's my job. That's my. That's the only thing I sort of know and feel comfortable enough to do uh you know because I've, I've i've done it since i was seven years old and and not only doing it from seven years old obviously having the, the good experience of working with like some great actors and and working on a show like eastenders which is a huge uh you know well-oiled machine and uh you learn pretty much every day on the job so uh you know i do i still that acting is still my first love well, we're going to get to the acting, but I want to take you back a little bit further back, Sid, if that's okay. You were born in Islington on January the 12th, 1972, to parents David and Joan. And you were born David, David Owen, but you got nicknamed Sid because you were seen as a bit chubby, uh, like a steaky kidney Sydney. Um, mm-hmm. Why did you keep the name Sid and not go back to David? Um, I don't know. I mean, I was too young to even, I was too young to be aware of my name that was actually David. You know, I think I, I, I was called Sid from Day Dot. Um, so, you know, that was all I knew. Um, and obviously, what, like, when I was acting as well, I think there was a, a David Owen in Equity. So I don't know if people are aware. If someone else has got the same name, then, uh, you know, you change it. But to be honest with you, I've always been known and been 
call Sid. So unless I was in trouble by teachers or or the law, I'd be called David because that was on my birth certificate. Well, look, you'd never get in trouble with the law, would you, Sid? Not now, mate, no. <laughs> Not now. He says after all those times. And <laughs> So your birth certificate obviously has David on it, which means your passport would as well. So do you ever get called David and do you know to answer to David as much as Sid? Um, I wouldn't turn around if you called me here and, no, it, David in the street, no. But uh, France, where I live in France, uh, for, for you, you know, the bank or people there, they might call me David, but it's, uh, you know, probably 0.01% people call me David. That's the same as me and Jonathan, and I don't ever recognise the name Jonathan, and the odd person, especially for my childhood, to go, Jonathan, I'm like, I don't know who that is. I, I, I won't yeah, answer exactly. it. I don't know. Um, exactly. So let's go back, 1970s in Islington. Why don't you tell your story? It's your story. Why don't you tell what happened in your childhood? Because a lot happened in a very short amount of time. You know, I've got three older brothers. We grew up in sort of a, a, a council estate in right by Chapel Market, which is in the Angel in Islington. Very early on, when I was seven, my mum sort of passed away. And then we sort of got basically split up from my brothers. We were sort of going to be put up for adoption, but my mum's sister stepped in to look after two of us. And then friends and family came in and, you know, looked after my other brother. And then I was sort of moving here, there and everywhere. And, uh, you know, as I say, luckily, at a young age, the part where I played in, as a kid, where I grew up, it was a theatre school called Anna Sher. I was intrigued. You know, I just saw all these kids hanging outside Barnsbury Road, and I was just sort of just intrigued to what you know what was going on. So I uh, went in there off my own back, put had a look as a six, seven year old kid, put my name down with a, a friend of mine who I mentioned in the book who I grew up with, who I sort of you know lived with as well as like like another adopted family. Started acting and sort of it went from there and I uh, started getting jobs at a young age sort of enjoyed it loved uh, the fact that I didn't have to go to school and I was getting paid money for you know going on a film set things escalated I sort of you know, did more and more jobs each year and sort of kept me out of mischief because I was sort of the way I grew up was uh in pretty much sort of lived day to day and surviving sort of on the market thieving and you know up to no good luckily as I say I found the acting and that sort of saved me in a, in a way obviously years later thank god i was able to make it as a full-time job but as you're doing it as a child you don't you don't really think or realize that it's, it's a job it's just a hobby and until you sort of get older and you realize that you can actually make a living so that was pretty much it i mean was that acting like a catharsis for you because obviously if so much had happened in your childhood there must have been a lot of anger there and obviously like you say in the book, there's a lot of shoplifting and thieving that you were doing. Was the acting that place where you could just let it all out in a safe environment? Exactly, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, without me sort of knowing or being aware, it was a, it was just a huge sort of release, really. You, you know, as I said before, like, you channel your energies into, uh, you know, whether it be sport or painting or you know, anything along the artistic lines, it sort of, it takes you away from, you know, reality in your real life. It's uh, so truly, yeah, 100% saved me. 
I mean, the other way to do it is to obviously have therapy and counselling, but I presume in the 1970s that wasn't really a thing that was spoken about. You know, no one was diagnosed with anything back then. It was, uh, you know, no one probably knew that, you know, autism or ADHD or anything like that even existed. So, uh, yeah, it was only sort of I realised later on until I did sort of do counselling and therapy obviously helps and you know as I say with friends and family around as well you, you know it helps to talk and open up and share your experiences. Well it's an amazing thing because there is always that what if question you know what if you had therapy and counselling at that age when your mum passed when you were seven years old what happens if you could have spoken about your dad then but then would you have been the successful actor you were now because you wouldn't have channeled it in your acting so much and so you know, there's that give and take. Is it the counselling route or the acting route? Because both were letting out that aggression and that catharsis,m and yet your journey could have been so different to what it's been. I think from a very early age, I sort of chose my own path and sort of decided, or already decided, sort of really what I wanted to do. I was quite fortunate in, in that way, really, and obviously lucky, very lucky enough to sort of get a job. 16 years old in EastEnders. You chose your route, but then you've also been mentored by so many people like Al Pacino when you did the film Revolution, and obviously the drama school you went to, Mike Reed, who was your dad, uh, Frank Butcher in EastEnders. And so you had these amazing role models all around you who brought the best yeah. of you. Yeah, which was great. You know, it's, uh, it's as I say, it's, <laughs> you know, if you haven't got family at home, I, I, I had a family at my work. It was, uh, it was like an extended family that, uh, you know, as people know, if you work in showbiz, you sort of you work and spend more time with your colleagues at work than you do your own family. So, uh, you know, I was lucky to have that as well, you know. And obviously, you know, it was a, a big job, so I had to uh, keep my feet on the ground and keep the job. It, it was a huge learning curve and to be disciplined, and it was, you know, tough as well a lot of times. Something we got through, and, you know, it meant more to me doing the job keeping busy than uh, than not so luckily i stuck with it well it is lucky because you know 22 million people watched you nine years later after you joined the show to watch you get married to bianca i mean ricky is that iconic character that we all loved in the show and if you look at the history of all characters ricky will be definitely up there in the top five of all time characters what made ricky so special for you i think he was just a like a a normal sort of nice tim but dim sort of everyday sort of lovable character it was like whatever he did he'd always sort of get into some sort of trouble although he weren't doing anything wrong it was uh put his foot in anything that was just there he was uh he was sort of pushed about and bullied from from one woman to the next or his family or it was the butt of a lot of jokes i think you know luckily the the, the public enjoyed and um, the character so and it was quite comical in uh, you know at some point so uh that's why he sort of stuck around. And was it hard then leaving there? Because you'd done it for so long, is it? And obviously, Ricay, you know, that famous Bianca shouting at that trailer when you all returned a couple of years ago. I think it was 2008 when you all returned to the show and that scene when the Queen Vic and the glass breaks because she's screaming Ricky. Yeah. Is it hard to define yourself post the show when you leave? So you left in 2012 to, you know, not yeah, get typecast like that. Yeah, I mean, it was at first. When I first left, I was like 28 years old. And as I said, I've, I've been doing it from 16 years old. So, like, the first time I left, it was like I'd almost felt I've done a long time. I, I felt like I hadn't experienced uh, 
much of my teens and, you know, my 20s were sort of slowly sort of going past and I was like, hit 28 and I sort of made a, a bit of money. So I was like, okay, I, I want to leave. But in always, you know, in the back of my mind, it was like, because they were so nice and they left it open for me, I left with a door open. So it sort of made it easier to leave. And then, you know, I wanted, I wanted to leave and try other things, but also just basically do nothing and not having to sort of at least go to bed without a script by my pillow and not having to learn lines and get up at five or six o'clock in the morning and just go and be yourself and try and enjoy your, your miss sort of childhood or teens and stuff like that. So... You know, it was good. It was good to leave and get off and experience and, and you know, as well, do other jobs, which I did. Well, how have you found doing those other jobs? Because there's always that big thing about being typecast, especially with a soap opera, that people look down on soap operas, even though they shouldn't because it's the hardest job for an actor to do. Well, there's a good good thing and a bad thing. I mean, the good thing is uh, being typecast, I did a good job at what I was doing. And then there are, obviously, on the, on the minuses that... You know, you don't get as many jobs as you'd like to. But it also opened a huge amount of doors and gave me a lot of opportunities to do things like the reality stuff, like Strictly, The Jump, MasterChef. I wouldn't have been given those opportunities if I hadn't been in a, like the biggest uh, TV programme in, in the UK. And then what about more recent years? What acting have you done since? I've done, well, I did, I did Bad Girls. I did a season of Bad Girls. Um, I played a prison officer, bit in the bill. I played a gangster. I've done a couple of short films and some plays and stuff like that. So I've kept busy. You know, I think time's more important than work. I've sort of cherished my time as opposed to working my nuts off. But it's really interesting you say that because obviously acting is what you always wanted to do since you were a young age. You know, Grange Hill was the place, the TV show you wanted to do. What would you? Now tell your, you know, 10-year-old, 7-year-old self now, knowing that with time. Well, as a, you know, 10-year-old kids, you don't, all you want to do, you're full steam ahead. So, you know, I'd just say to anyone, any kid, just do what you enjoy and your time is still precious. I love it. I love it. So, Rags to Ricky is out now to buy in all bookshops. That's the story, as you say, that takes you up to just past when you joined EastEnders. What's next for Sid Owen as you enter your 50s? Next, at the moment, <laughs> I, can only, I can't really think that far ahead, to be honest with you. I've got some some good, exciting stuff coming up. You know, I have been chatting with you know, the BBC. Also, I've got one or two other projects, which I can't really say and very excited about. But, um, and I'm writing another book, so I'm, I'm going to be busy for the next year or two, so... <laughs> things are okay so is the book gonna be effectively like 1989 to you know the next chapter yeah exactly yeah and how does that make you feel because obviously that your childhood was all about another therapeutic side for you to really delve into the original sid owen and then this next period is the stenders act the showbiz the glam the parties the the hard work the ricky butcher coming in how are you feeling uh, going into writing this um, I've already started writing it. It's uh, it's it's a lot. It's going to be a lot easier than writing the first book. For one, I'll, I'll remember it a bit more, and uh, and it was hard sort of going over childhood when I was writing the first one. It was quite quite emotional at first. So, you know, 
this uh, this one will be hopefully a lot more fun and uh, you know a bit more positive again. Sid Owen there. His book From Rags to Ricky is out to buy now. And I urge you to buy, I urge you to look into Sid's history because we all know him as Ricky Butcher. But let's go back to the beginning and find out who the actor is away from the character. So that's it. A hundred episodes of Security and Secure done. Sid Owen, my hundredth guest. EastEnders, my favourite show. I was delighted to be able to have him on the podcast this week and I hope you enjoyed the episode. And so a hundred episodes done and there's more to go. Okay, 101 episode is out next week. 102, 103, it's going to keep going. More celebrities that you love, more lessons for you to learn. And if you've enjoyed the journey, as I said, please do go onto the podcast, go onto iTunes, go down, leave a five-star rating and leave a review. And then go on Instagram, at Security and Secure Podcast, at Johnny Seifert, and share it with your friends. Let people know that you've listened to Security and Secure. Let people know what you've learned. Let people know you've enjoyed the celebrity. You never know, they might repost it for you on their story. So thank you. That's the last thing to say to you, is to thank you. Thank you for being on this journey with me. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for listening to the interviews. And thank you for getting to the end. And thank you for coming back. You know, it's one thing listening to a one-off episode because you've seen something you like, but to then get into the mindset that you're going to have to download it again the following Friday and listen to that episode means everything to me. Thank you. I've been Johnny Seifert. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.